born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. In some of these scriptures here, it is an appeal to the rulers, the leaders of the nation of Israel to believe on Jesus Christ. And I believe that Jesus Christ could have come back a lot earlier than what he did. But be that as it may, the nation of Israel rejected the Lord. And so um, even the apostle Paul wound up going to the Gentiles, Peter to the, the Jews. That doesn't mean that Peter couldn't lead Gentiles to the Lord because he did in chapter 10 of the book of Acts of the household of Cornelius. But anyway, if you look at this, in verse 14, and believers, you ought to underline the word believers. Because see, at the beginning, this is what they were called. Now, they were called later Christians at Antioch. And so Antioch became the central point of Christianity. But at the beginning, they were, they were called believers. I am a believer. I believe on Christ. I believe that he was the Son of God that came into the world, that made a death payment for the sins of the whole world, especially my own, and I have trusted him as my Savior. I am a believer. Now, you can be a believer in Jesus Christ and not a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you could be a disciple of Jesus Christ and not a believer. It means you can follow the teachings of Christ. You could have been there and followed Christ as the multitude did. And then Christ told him, he says, will you also go away? Because multitudes turned and walked away because they couldn't understand half of what he said. He says, does this offend you? Because Christ offended a lot of people. He said things either they didn't like or didn't agree with, didn't understand. But whatever the reason, multitudes turned away from him. And many had followed him only because they got a free fish sandwich. And things went downhill after that. So he asked his disciples, he says, will you also go away? And they says, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And the Lord says, not so fast. There's somebody here I know that doesn't believe it, but that's another story. So he says here in verse 14, believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and women. So now we didn't got up into thousands and multitudes. And how many actually believe? We don't know. Uh, we don't know if the 3,000 included the 120, and then the 5,000 included those that were before them, and it's just added to it, or a whole new number. But it says in one place, the men, but sometimes the scriptures are talking about men. It's referring to women also. When the Bible says, he that believeth on him hath everlasting life. Well, because it didn't say she, women can't go. No, it refers also to the women. Women can go to heaven. 
And uh, I'm glad. I wouldn't want to be in heaven for all those years for eternity without my wife. I'm glad my wife's going. But anyway, in verse 15, in verse 15, it says, Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the street. Now, the best way to read this is read verse 12 and then go straight down to verse 15. So look in verse 12. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Verse 15. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets, and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Now whether or not it worked, I don't know. But I know that even when Jesus walked by and they just so much as touched the hem of his garment, this woman was cured. And so um, maybe the same thing was happening here in just a shadow. And just think whenever the, um, the sun starts to set, the shadow gets longer. Maybe more people could get healed in the evenings and in the daytime. I don't know. That's just Yankeeology. But it says, at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow them. Now, just hold your place right here and look in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, and look in verse 12. You're talking about, you ever heard some of these preachers on television or radio, and, you know, they preach, and they get all hot and sweaty, so they take out their handkerchief, and they wipe that virtue off their forehead. Now, if you'll mail in a certain amount of money, I'll send you a piece of this handkerchief that's got my virtue on it. It's been anointed, and people swallow that junk. Keep your money. I better not find out you people in here are listening to that junk and sending them money and trying to get your little apron in the mail or some little piece of cloth. Or you ever heard a preacher make the statement, for a point of contact, put your hand on that radio. If you want to have a point of contact, put it in the back of that radio. <laughs> I guarantee you'll get yourself a charge. But here in the book of Acts, chapter 19, just look there in verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the disease departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Hmm, sounds pretty good. And yet the Bible says the apostles did these things. There's some people say that that just means everybody can do that or especially if you are of the apostolic faith. Apostolic means you're in succession, and these are apostles in the line that goes all the way back to the apostles, and they still have the power today. I remember the time I had this young kid that came to our youth group, and he um, trusted the Lord at the ranch. His name was Stan Pons. Stan Ponce is today a pastor over there in Hawaii at the International Baptist Church in Hawaii. At that time, he was about 15, 16 years old, and he'd listened to me in Sunday school class, and so he'd listen. He, he was faithful. He was, he was faithful. And he learned and he grew, but one day he was going through the auditorium, and he was trying to find, he tried to get a hold of Dr. Stanford, and Dr. Stanford wasn't there. So he looked for Dr. Seymour, and he couldn't find Dr. Seymour. And he saw me walking down the hallway, and so as a last resort, he come up to me and says, Yankee, he says, I couldn't find Dr. Stanford, and I couldn't find Dr. Seymour. He says, you're the last resort. He says, 
I got a meeting with a guy, and I want you to go with me. I said, who? He says, all I know is he is the pastor of the apostolic faith, and I want you to go with me. All right, I'll go with you. So we got in the car, and we went over there, and we stopped outside, and we went into the, the house, and the preacher was eating. And he says, honey, just put it in the oven. Keep it warm. I'll be back here in 15 minutes. That's about all it's going to take to win these guys to the Lord and get them baptized. I thought, you're in for one big surprise. I thought, this is going to be fun. He said, let's go over to the office over there where we can have a little more quiet. So we went over to his office, and uh, he stood behind his desk, and my uh, buddy Stan Ponce, he was there. And anyway, um, he says, go ahead and have a seat. I says, I don't need to sit down. I says, I believe in standing up when I'm going to talk about my Lord. <laughs> I don't know where I got that from. I just did it. One thing, I, I didn't like him telling me what to do. And I didn't want to sit down because he told me to sit down. <laughs> I have a little bit of I'm defiance in me. I don't know why I'm like that. But anyway, I stood there. He says, okay, let's, uh, let's do this fair. He says, I'll, uh, I'll speak for uh, a minute, and then you speak for a minute. I'll speak a minute, and then you speak for a minute. And Stan was just going to sit there and just to listen to the debate, you know, because he wanted to get Stan, but Stan said, no, I'll bring my preacher. So here I am. I'm not his preacher. I'm just a student at Florida Bible College. Hadn't been there long. Didn't know much. But um, he went on for his minute. Then it was my turn. So I wound up, I gave it all I had for a minute. And right on time, I quit. Then he talked. And then he went for about three minutes. And then he quit, and then I went. I went for a minute, and I quit. He went for three or four or five more minutes. Every time he got longer and longer, longer my buddy over here posed to tell him, no, when it's time to start, he would not quit. I thought that was dishonest, and to me, that would have been a sin. And if that was a sin, he lost it. But anyway, I didn't tell him that. After a while, he was getting very frustrated. And he could see that he was not going to get back to his supper in 15 minutes. We had a great time talking to him. But he believed that because he was an apostle of the apostolic faith and that he is in line of secession all the way from the original apostles and it's been laid on one hand off to the other and so forth right on down the line. And there he is. And I'm supposed to be honored to be in his presence. Anyway, he was an older gentleman. <laughs> I'm just a little young squirt. I might have been 24, 25 years old because I graduated when I was 26, so I was young. But I had a, a lot of fun. But he was not an apostle. He could not do any miracles at all. Did you know that most of these healing mediums, they're always having something, and they heal over something you can't see and verify. I wanted to educate my two kids at one time, and so up there in Colorado, they had a great big tent meal, and the man had a sign up there, healing, come one, come all. So I got my two kids together. I says, it's time for y'all to get educated. I says, we're going to the meeting. So we went to the meeting, and lo and behold, I saw this one guy getting out of his car, and he was strapping on his a leg brace. Now, he was moving fine, but now he's putting on his leg brace. And then he, he walked in like this here. And I told my kids, I said, just watch him. Just watch him. 
So anyway, they got in there, and now the preacher is going to really, he poured it on. Oh, he was hot and heavy. He was all over the place, hollering and yelling, screaming, and everybody's a yay and so forth, and raising their hands, shouting, hooping and hollering, taking the heels together, lightning bolts were striking, tears were running, and all kind of stuff was going on. And we're just standing watching. It was a pretty good show. And uh, now he got down to the healing part of it. We got down to the healing part. Now it's all going to be not according to your faith, but according to your money. The more money you have, the bigger the chance of you being healed. That's just the way it was in the Bible, wasn't it? No, that's not the way they did it in the Bible. Look what it says in verse 16. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirit, and they were healed, every one according to their seed money. They didn't have to have any money whatsoever. And it says they healed every one of them. And yet I've heard them say, now there might not be many healed tonight because of unbelievers. <laughs> I've been in meetings where they point to me. Because of unbelievers. Isn't that something that the unbelievers can stop the power of God? The unbelievers. And here's these believers that gone on down there and they give all their money. But anyway, he got to, to healing and he had his line there. And lo and behold, that guy got up that had just put his brace on. <laughs> and he staggered down the line. And it wasn't long before he got miraculously healed and tore off that thing. I, I, he got up because he was walking around. And then he sat down in his car because he, he had to get out of the back. And he put it on. I said, now you see what's going on? My kids could see. They weren't dumb. They weren't blind. See, that's not how it was done in the Bible. So don't you fall for that junk. Does God heal today? Yes, I believe God can heal. But I don't think he needs a man to seek honor and power and glory and to start his healing lines and then tell people that you got to give money in order to have seed faith, show how much faith you got based upon the money you can give. That's making merchandise of the people. That's using people's hard times and, and their, their problems and so forth. And the preacher's doing nothing more than just trying to make a living off of it. And he's always talking about how that you need to trust the Lord, and you need to trust the Lord. And what he's talking about, give me your money. Give me your money. And you do what he doesn't do. Can you go out there and just ask for everybody to give you the money? Anyway, I, I have a problem with some of that. Now, also, if you'll notice here where it says that we're vexed with the unclean spirit, that means to be troubled, afflicted, or tormented. And he was able to heal all those that were afflicted or tormented. Whether it was physical or whether it was of the devil. They were not limited in what they could do. Verse 17. Then the high priest rose up and all that were with them, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. It means they were filled with jealousy. Because it says they could see the people believing this. Now wait a minute. At one time, see, they were the voice of authority. Everybody came to them. Now they're going to the apostles, and the apostles were not part of them. You see, and they, the rest, weren't part of that. Now the common people, yes. They were hearing it and believing it. 
And this is their job. Later on, Paul has the same problem that we had just looked at just a minute ago in that same scripture, but we'll look at that when we get there. But now, look what he says in verse 18. So, what do they do when they're filled with jealousy? You would think, well, you know, maybe we're wrong. You know, somebody's got power like that. You think, maybe I need to listen to what they're saying. So in verse 18, and laid hands on the apostles, put them in the common prison. So, they preach the gospel. They do all these wonderful miracles and so forth. You know, if I'd have been there, I wouldn't want to touch those guys. I would think, you know, you could hurt me. If you got power like that, you could do me in. But he says in verse 9, but, get this, the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth. And he said, now, it opened the prison doors so they could walk out. But later on, they couldn't figure out how they got out. Because evidently, the angels locked the doors back. You see what he says in verse 19? The prison doors and brought them forth and said, just the opposite of what the leaders in government said. See, we have people today say, you know, you're supposed to obey government and all things. No, you're not. Otherwise, there would be no persecution for any Christian. Why do you think these Christians were persecuted? Because they disobeyed the law. They don't have the right to make certain laws. What were they saying? Christ says he has all power given to him, and he commanded his children to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. All right, so they have passed some laws and says this. You cannot go, keep quiet, don't do it. But look there in chapter 4, and you'll notice what he says. You see there in verse 17, but that it spread no further. Or right, why does God give us the gospel? To do what? To spread it. He wants us to spread it, and they don't want it to be spread. Did you know there's a lot of people really, really upset with a guy named Tebow? You ever heard of a guy named Tebow? He's a quarterback out there for Broncos. And the guy just happens to like the Lord, and he loves the Lord. And from what I understand, he really understands grace. His dad is on the board of the Grace Seminary, I think, down there in Texas someplace. And they're talking about, I'm talking about the free grace just like you and I believe. So there's a good possibility that's what he believes. And he, he knows the Lord and he loves the Lord. And he wants to give God the credit for everything that he does in his life and make sure that whenever he has and does anything that would deserve any honor or credit, he wants to give it to the Lord. And that, so that's what he does. And there's people that don't want him to spread that. So just because people don't want them to do it, Oh, I guess I'll quit. I don't want to offend anybody. Everybody else offends. They do whatever they want to do. And uh, anyway, this was uh, God's people doing what God says to do. And so now they've got a problem. So he says there in verse um, 20, Go, this is what the angel of the Lord told him. Go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. In other words, what it takes to have eternal life, explain it to them. Go, and you do it. Even though the law says, don't do it. Do it anyway. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. That means the very next day they did it. Get what he said. 
But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together. This is the, the story of the, uh, the incomplete trial. You see, they were going to have a trial on these guys. And everybody showed up. <laughs> but the prisoners, they weren't there. So they got everybody together. Look what he says. He says, But the high priest came, and they that were with him called the council together. All the senate of the children of Israel sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety. So there's no way for the prisoners to get out. Because when they got there, it was still secured, and the guards were still watching. Isn't that amazing? I mean, how that the guys are locked in prison, and they go there the next morning, and they, like, disappeared, you know, and there's no way to explain how they got out of there? I think God's got a great sense of humor. I love stuff like this. This is what makes good movies. You know, all the movies they made today... Don't compare with the stories that are already found in the Bible. The Bible talks about things from outer space. Do you know there's a planet, outer space, supernatural people? They can move at the speed of light, appear and disappear. They can live forever. It's a place called heaven. See, it's already real. It's already there. About people appearing and disappearing, it's already happened. You ever heard of Elijah or Enoch? You name the story, and the world today can't think of a better thing than not what's already happened and recorded in His Word. Think of the wisest man in the world. Well, the Bible's already told us all about him. They try to make some movie about a guy that's supposed to have, you know, these people have worked on him and give him a super brain, and now he has all these magnificent total recall and things like that. Wait a minute. We already have a guy like that in the Bible. That's old stuff. That's old stuff. Strongest man in the world? <laughs> Remember, they used to have years ago a movie called The Million Dollar Man. Anybody remember The Million Dollar Man? Some of you old fogies do. The Million Dollar Man. He had an eye that could zoom in on. Yeah. That ain't nothing compared to what you have in the Bible. Think about this. A man named Samson. He grabbed the jawbone of an ass and killed a thousand Filipinos. <laughs> but just to think of how great these guys in the Bible really were, what they could do. Now these guys are able to be in a prison and all of a sudden God can open up the doors and they can go out and then lock it all back and they won't know what happened. But anyway, and it says there in verse 23, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without, before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man inside. I love that. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would, and you ought to underline that word, this would grow. You see, they don't want it to spread. They don't want it to grow. But what does God want? God wants the gospel to be spread throughout the world. And it talks about the love of God has shed forth this. And it got the Holy Spirit living within inside of us. And uh, His love is shed abroad in our heart. And so, as He says, 
These are things that God wants us to know and to do because God wants it to grow. Does God want the church to grow? Does he want more people? When he says, go and reach, that, evidently he wants us to reach as many as we possibly can. Once you trusted Christ as your Savior, isn't it God's will for you to grow in the Lord? So the body of Christ, God wants to grow, and individually he wants you to grow spiritually stronger. So we should be concerned about just our own personal growth. No, numerically reaching more people and then getting people to grow stronger in the Lord. Uh, this is what it says here in verse 25. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. Mm. Get your hickory stick. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. Hmm. When they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest and asked them, Are you deaf? That's what they said in Hebrew. Didn't you hear me? Don't you know what I told you? And they probably got in their faces and shook their hand. Are you deaf? Didn't you hear what I told you to do? I said, don't you talk anymore in this man's name. He says, all I know to do is to say what I've seen and heard. And so, in verse 28, saying, did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have, you ought to underline this word. Maybe this is what God wants us to do in Tampa. Fill Tampa with this doctrine. Get everybody we possibly can to hear the gospel. Wouldn't it be great if we could turn this city upside down? But I think there's a lot that we can do if God should tarry, that with all the people that are coming here, we ought to figure out something that as a church, as a body of believers... And we ought to be confident and have boldness and have a vision and see just what can we do. We don't have to go, you know, around the world. All we got to do is just go right down the street here. You understand what I'm saying? But look what he says here. In verse 28, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine now, some people say, well, um, we ought to just love. Because doctrine, well, that's divisive. You know, that just makes people sit on edge and uh, there's right and wrong. And that just offends people. So it's better, let's just love everybody. So we'll have a love in. Now, I, I think we ought to just preach the doctrine. See, it's love, true love, real love that keeps you preaching the strong doctrines of the Bible, and especially the doctrine of eternal security. The doctrine of eternal security is not a separate doctrine from salvation. It is salvation. You're not eternally saved. You are not saved. You're only saved because you have trusted Christ as your Savior, and you're trusting Him to take you to heaven when you die, not till you sin again. He is going to take me all the way to heaven. I'm trusting him for that. And look what the last part he says. Are you trying? Is it your intention to bring this man's blood upon us? 
They, they're one that knew what they're doing. I think their conscience is bothering them just a little bit. But look what he says in verse, uh, verse 21, verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus. And look at the next words. Whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Now, do you think he's backing off? That he's sensitive to their feelings. Now, I, I do believe that at times we need to be sensitive to how people feel, but not at the expense of truth. Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making Him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.